Nate's come out with another awesome tool for the swimming community. It's called Swim Nerd Live, and it allows the data and times from your actual scoreboard to be broadcast and viewed in real time on any smart TV, phone, or other device. It has all the information you're looking for, event, heat, lane, name of swimmer, times and places. One click on any device and they're watching your swim meet live in real time. Go to swimpractice.com to learn more. Okay, Renomi Kromo Wajoyo, how are you? Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time out of, a, out of your busy weekend. But um, listen, where are you coming from right now? Um, I'm in Eindhoven in the Netherlands right now. Um, the place where I uh, live and swim for, uh, for more than 12 years uh, right now. So uh, it, it's kind of cold today. It's cold weather in Eindhoven. <laughs> yeah. I'd imagine so. I, I think of it that way. Now, listen, your, your name is very unique, your, especially your last name. Uh, it, it has a, a mixture of uh, what Javanese and Surinamese. Is that correct? Um, it is a Javanese name. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, I tried to make the not too long story. Uh, my mom is born in the Netherlands. My father is born in Suriname, in South America, uh-huh. and his grand or great grandparents are from Indonesia. So my ancestors are from Indonesia, and um, they moved like um, hundred years ago from Indonesia to Suriname um, as as contractors. And uh, then after Suriname, um, yeah, in the nineteen in the seventies. Uh, my father moved with his whole family to the Netherlands. So, yeah, I'm a mix of, like, I have the Indonesian blood and my dad is born in Suriname. So I feel like a mix of a lot, a lot. Yeah, yeah that's a good mix though, right? Yeah. So do you have brothers and sisters? I do have uh, one older brother. Um, his name is Shanoi. It's also, like, my first name, Renomi. Um it's not a typical Dutch name. It's 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 not a common name. Um, my parents were, or my mom is really creative uh, with making uh, names. So Shanoi and Renomi, they are both creations of uh, of my mom. Nice, nice. Do, do they? Uh, does your mother teach you about your heritage in in from her point of view or in that sense? um yeah my both both my parents uh did and do and i think my brother and i are really um interested in in yeah and about our family history and where we uh where our family came from and kind of like we don't have the typical dutch name so where does the name come from and uh with uh from indonesia uh to suriname to the netherlands uh yeah like how is that we have a big family history and and it's it's like really nice history and we are really really interested about that yeah Yeah. it's fascinating i mean from from that aspect the family aspect but also from your athletic sense i mean for the past 15 years you've been one of the most dominant sprinters in in the world for for a female uh by by any means you can put your resume up against any female in the world and and yours stacks up as uh in an incredible dominance in terms of what you've done where where has that come from as part of your family who do you take out after your mother your father what is that um, 
<laughs> that is definitely not my dad's um, uh, thing. My dad is not a swimmer. Uh, actually, I'm not from a swimming family. Um, so I think I have the swimming genes from my mom. Uh, she was a swimmer, like recreational swimmer, not a pro. But uh, yeah, my dad is actually a karate teacher. So he taught me uh, karate, of course, and I think the the, the lessons in sports um, about achieving and making goals and um, kind of that thing in the in the sports, but definitely not swimming. Um, let's say my my dad is not a really good swimmer. No. No. No, but in terms of the mindset and the mentality, obviously to be at the top of the world for, you know, 15 years, uh, an extended period of time, let's say at least, at least the past 12 years, you've been extremely dominant. So in terms of that mentality and that mindset, is that something you had from a young kid or is that something that has been developed over time? Um, both, but I think I, I had the same mindset when I was a young kid, um, kind of like I started swimming because I liked swimming and I was really attracted to the water and that thing hasn't changed in the past 20 well about 30 years and I think of course being a getting a professional swimmer and uh, winning medals in international uh, in the international field of course you you learn a lot of lessons uh, and in, in the past 10 years, I, I learned a lot of lessons, but I think my character as being really competitive mm. and uh, enjoying competitions and uh, try always like strive to be better. And uh, I think I was, I was born with that. I think it's improved during the years, but I think maybe it's a mix of being born with the, the right genes and also uh, my parents, they, they taught me really valuable lessons. Um, I was born and raised in a really, um, nice and friendly, uh, well, yeah, I had, I had like a really nice youth with, with my mom, my dad and my older brother and everything was nice and fine. And, um, well, we learned to just, uh, make the best of our life. And I think that helped me to become a pro athlete. And that's one of the things I was talking to a couple of people that know you. This is actually the first time we've ever spoken uh, in a conversation, you and I. So I, I reached out to a few people, as I told you, and I, I talked to uh, James Gibson a little bit. I talked to Femka and, and both of them said something similar about you. James said that you're very professional and Femka said your superpower has always been your ability to perform when you need it the most. So in terms of that professionalism and, and kind of what Femke said in terms of your superpower, uh, being able to perform under, the, under pressure, under the spotlight, um, how, how, where has that come from? How has that developed? Um, well, I don't know. I think I just, well, you have two types of swimmers and it's, um, you have the types of swimmers that I really love uh, the training and also a type of swimmers who really love to compete. And I think I'm the, the, the last one. I really love competitions and racing. And I think the, the more excited it gets, uh, the more um, uh, motivated and um, uh, sharp I get. So I think for me, it's kind of easier to be in a really 
sharp mindset for, let's say, Olympic Games instead of or compared with um, uh, national uh, competitions. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just I, I really like um, that kind of excitement and swimming big competitions. And, but actually, it's always has been like that. Um, and it's not like that I swam Olympic Games at uh, age five. But I really like to perform and I really like to um, show myself, I think. Like to show myself um, uh, what I'm capable of, I think. Let's explore that a little bit then because I'm fascinated in performance, especially high performance. Where do you go mentally when when the spotlight is on you and, and the pressure is building? Let's say for an Olympic Games, um, where where do you go mentally in the lead up to maybe the, the last few days or even, even the day of your race, how are you able to um, compartmentalize that pressure? There's extreme amount of pressure and scrutiny. And, and then you have your competitors as well, who are, who are, uh, you know, um, a threat to you in terms of your own performance. So what about mentally? What, what space do you go into? Um, I'm going into a tunnel and it's, Uh, That doesn't mean I don't watch the news anymore or I don't speak with other people or with friends or with competitors anymore. But I notice that um, the further or the closer the competition gets, the more I I create my own tunnel. And, well, the most important thing for me is that I have to feel good and have to feel strong. And uh, I have to tell myself that. And um, I think... Like I said earlier, I really love swimming and I love swimming fast, but it started with being like feeling nice in the water and loving what you do. And that's the main thing about swimming, uh, whether it's just a training or an, swimming on an Olympic final. And um, so I, I really try to keep myself sharp, but also really like uh, being in that state of mind. Um, and I think, like, during the race day, uh, just keep it simple. For me, it's just doing what I have to do. And that's swimming the best race I possibly can. Um, so I'm not focusing about a result or a time or record or other people. I know a lot of swimmers, they uh, follow the rankings, world rankings or age rankings or... Uh, PBs of teammates. Mm-hmm. I'm not a kind of swimmer who uh, knows all the PBs of my teammates or competitors. Uh, I just stick to my own plan and try to, um, well, to swim the best race possible at that moment. And that's, I think, um, my main goal also for now. Uh, after so many years swimming on the international level to Uh, try to improve myself and of course you want to win gold medals uh, and and break world records I mean everybody wants to do that but I think the way to achieve that is to swim my best race possible and stick to my own plan and um, focus on my race and not the result 
Yeah, that, I was going to say that. It sounds like you, you focus on uh, the process rather than the outcome. You focus on yourself, the things you can control and, and, and don't much worry about the things you can't control. So it's, it's almost like you're simplifying the process of like, here I am, here's what I can do, here's what I have to do. And you just go about that rather than letting your brain wander and think and go in directions that really are just going to take you out of your own performance, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's it's actually it's, it's it's really simple. Just do what I have to do, but then on the other side, I really need uh, a light pressure, and I really, um, I mean, for example, for the 2012 Olympics in London, um, uh, before the Olympics, I was I think ranked number one in the on, on the 53 and 100 free, and a lot of people um, in the Netherlands and and also in the swimming world, uh, they, well, they kind of expected me to just grab two gold medals in London. Mm. And um, instead of feeling so much pressure from the outside world, the only pressure I felt was like to, like the pressure I, I put on myself. And I think that's my main um, strength uh, to don't think about the rest of the world or the competitors or my coach or um, I don't know, media or something. But I think the one who's putting the most pressure on me is myself. And that's because I, I'm dreaming of a big uh, goal and a big, a good race. So um, I think that helps me to keep it small, but also I need the pressure. And I know some athletes don't want to swim with the pressure, but I, I love pressure and, um, yeah, the more, the better, I guess, for me. Do you think it helped you in 2012 to have already um, had some success and being an Olympic champion in, in 2008 in the relay? Was that something that helped um, your success in 2012 as well? I think so, because I think if you, um, well, for me, I, I knew what to expect to swim and uh, to be at the Olympics, to be in an Olympic village, for example, it's not just a swimming pool with, with many uh, swimmers, but also being in an Olympic village with so much distraction, mm -hmm. food 24-7 and things to do. And back in uh, Beijing in 2008, I was 17. So I, well, it was one big distraction uh, for me, but I was taught to stick with the plan. And four years later, I, I kind of being really... Uh, easy said but I just had one goal and that was just to to swim at the 50 and the 100 and the relay for my 100 relay uh, as best as possible when you were um, younger at 15 and, and then kind of I mean you came onto the scene the uh, the international scene at 15 but then you, you like you said you swam at the Olympics at 17 oh. and then just turned 18 I believe before you raced but um was there a 200 focus back then for you, like early on in your career? Were they training you for the 200? Um, well, as a young kid, I started at the competitive swimming at age eight. And I think back then my favorite distance, my favorite event was probably 53. Um, of course, but, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but until age 18 and until I uh, moved from my from my hometown to Eindhoven, I um, I swam kind of all the events. I kind of had to. Uh, 
well, I'd never been a distance swimmer, but I did uh, up to 400 freestyle and uh, I mean, 200 back, 200 IM, mm. uh, 200 fly. Um, back in the days, it was a lot of short course. In the Netherlands, there are not that many uh, long course pools, so lots of short course. But I think uh, until the, my 18th, I, I did lots of events and I would really um, advise young swimmers to don't focus on uh, just one event or just just a sprint uh, too early. Um, back in the days in 2005, when I swam uh, European juniors, uh, Marcel Wouda, my, mm -hmm. my, my uh, current coach, he was the uh, junior head coach of the Netherlands. And uh, back then he advised me to do a 200 instead of 50 because uh, when you get older, he said, you can always uh, switch to a, to a 50, uh, but you won't get like, you won't start from 100 to 200 or 400. So, um, well, it, if I could have chosen at age 14 or 15, I would have chosen for just 53 maybe, but I'm really happy I followed Marcel's advice to just uh, do a lot of events and uh, also a 200. Um, actually, I qualified for a 200 in individual uh, at my first Olympics in Beijing. Mm, yeah. But after that, um, well, after that, so after I was 18, I focused a little bit more on the 50 and 100 freestyle. Yeah, let's say I, I don't I don't like 200. You have to swim <laughs> a lot of 200s to, to, to get the feeling right. And I think, well, in my current training, I don't swim enough for a good 200. Yeah, I think uh, if you become Olympic champion in the 50 freestyle, it's your passport out of the 200. You get, you get, you get a, a free card out. Thanks. Please tell my coach. <laughs> <laughs> is there an is there an event that you identify with more, the fifty or the hundred? Do you is there one that you feel like that's my event? No, no, and it's it's I get that question a lot of times, and for many years now, and also for um, for the Olympics. Like, if you, do you specialize for one event more? Uh, but I've always done fifty and hundred, and I combine them both. I don't train um, uh, more for a 50 or a hundred. It's just both. And I really, I can't choose between 50 and hundred. Um, no, no, it's both. Listen, I grew up in Australia at a, at a time where we were very dominant and some would say we're still very competitive in in kind of the, the distance events, the 1500s. Uh, and that was kind of the event in Australia where, everybody was training for that everybody you know they were our heroes we had kieran perkins we had grant hackett i mean we had some of the the most amazing we had ian thorpe you know many many great distance swimmers so for me as a sprinter i was kind of like you know people laughed at me in terms of the training i did but it seems like in the netherlands um sprinting is valued and and not only valued but you guys have a history of sprinting uh, for, for as long as we've had a history of distance swimming in Australia. So what is it about the Netherlands that they value sprinting? They, 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 they put emphasis on it and, and you're so successful in it. Tell me about the culture. Yeah, I think we, in the Netherlands, we really have a sprinting culture. Um, I think because, um, well, it's, it's kind of two ways. 
Like um, when I was a kid, we had uh, Inge de Bruyne and Pieter van der Hoogband. Mm -hmm. uh, they were like my idols. So I wanted to be like them. Um, and now I'm a role model for the younger kids. So it's like maybe if you see sprint freestyle sprinters, um, it's it's um, just try to to figure out to to find the right English words in English. But to it's easier. It's not easier, but like you want to be like your idol. So you become a sprinter instead of a distance swimmer. Sure. Um, and then also I think. The Dutch culture is about uh, quality, not about quantity. So compared with lots of Eastern European countries who just swim for for insane amount of uh, meters every day, uh, we don't swim that much. And I think the average, just to be carefully, but the average club in the Netherlands doesn't train like ridiculously uh insane uh, amount of meters compared with an, a lot of like let's say hungary they're really famous about uh medley swimmers 200 fly uh, but you have to train a lot for that and you have to, to swim lots of meters and i think yeah dutch culture is unfortunately still based on um freestyle sprint and i i really I hope to see that uh, change in the future, in the nearly future. I hope to see uh, the younger kids swimming more events and, and the longer distances. Yeah, but then who no, am no, I? No, 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 no. I love the Dutch culture. I want to be Dutch, okay? <laughs> Keep yeah, it the way it is. <laughs> for me, it's, it's perfectly fine. Um, if I would have been swimming in Hungary, I would have retired at age 12, I think. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't survive the, the way they train. Um, so I'm, I am personally, I'm really happy with the, the, the methods and the, the, the kind of, well, culture in, in, in the Netherlands, but it's, yeah, it, I think it's, well, I would, I, I would rather see it that some like for 200, 400, or maybe other than just, uh, freestyle is improving in the Netherlands, but it's coming. I mean, um, with the men, we have Arno, the breaststroker. Uh, we have Kira, the backstroke, so it's it's coming, but um, we'll see, we'll see, yeah. Well, well, tell me about sprinting, because not everybody's like this, and not every culture, not every country puts the value on it and understands it, so obviously, if you've been in this game for so long, at, at the top of your game, um, winning Olympic gold medals for and world championships for many years, what have you learned about sprinting? What What are the things that you value? What are you What are the things that are important in order to be a great sprinter? Talk to us about sprinting a little bit. Oh, um, well, I think first of all, it's it's really funny that um, I have to say I don't consider myself as a real sprinter, and I know many many people uh, don't. Oh, hush, hush. Agree with me. How dare you? How dare you say that? <laughs> Yeah, but I think like a real sprinter, if in terms of um, in sports, yeah, they. I think like if you are a real, real sprinter, it's very hard to to survive a good hundred uh, to do a, a decent hundred. Um, oh, okay, so like me then, I, I was I was a real sprinter. I couldn't do a hundred. Kind of, of course, I'm a sprinter, and in 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 the eyes of of open water swimmers or distance swimmers, I'm a really sprinter. I'm lazy. I don't train that much. 
I don't do that many meters, I'm powerful. Um, but in my opinion, I'm not like the real sprinter because I can survive a hundred. It's, 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 it's hard to explain, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, I think being a sprinter is in my blood, it's in my DNA. Um, my boyfriend, my, my fiance, Ferry, he's a distance swimmer or actually he's an open water swimmer. And if we, if I see the differences between us as, as like human beings, um, I'm really impulsive, of, um, how do you say it? Yeah, impulsive and our character is so different. Mm -hmm. And it's funny that it doesn't like define who we are as swimmers, but maybe just a little bit that, yeah, there is a big difference between sprinters and distance swimmers. But then I think the real, real sprinters are a little bit lazy. They don't train. Uh, well, they, of course it's, it's about doing short things really good. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not a, I wouldn't say I'm lazy, but in the eyes of distance swimmers, I'm, I might be lazy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's always the argument between distance swimmers and sprinters. Sprinters are lazy. Distance swimmers work so hard. But at the end of the day, a distance swimmer can't swim from here to here as fast as you can, you know, and most of the world can't swim from here to here. So in terms of the things that you value that are important in sprinting, right? So obviously technique is one. You, you, you're, you're a student of your technique. You, you try and study your, your swimming. Obviously, I think in the Netherlands, you actually um, do a lot of time on video analysis. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We work with the InnoSport Lab and we have uh, our training pool um, is, well, we have a lot of cameras under and above the water level. Um, so we do kind of um, do technique, but also skills uh, on video um, and especially uh, the direct feedback. So when I came to Eindhoven in 2008, uh, back then we already worked with, with video um, uh, analysis. But then, for example, during a training, um, I made two or three starts and uh, uh, put it on a video. And then after the training, after hour and a half of two hours, I watched it back. and we learn from the direct direct feedback. Like if you do a start, for example, and uh, watch it back within a minute or maybe within 30 seconds, your brain and your body still remembers what you did. And so you can develop the start. And that makes it really um, useful to use the video feedback to improve your start. And um, I mean, now it's about like the small differences. It's not about uh, being seconds faster or anything. It's just a small differences. So it's put everything, um, in the best, well, try to do every start as best as possible is only possible if I know what to improve and just doing a start and then two hour later or two days later, uh, watching it back, um, that doesn't, um, 
works for my brain and my body to know what to do or to feel what to do. I don't know if you understand. I understand completely, uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and this, I would say, is not laziness. This is intelligence. You're spending a meticulous amounts of time working on small details and while most of the people who are swimming up and down the pool would see you standing on the side of the pool deck and think, well, she's not doing anything, you're actually working on details that are going to matter by hundreds of seconds that are going to get your hand on the wall faster than anybody else in the world. So, I mean, this is intelligence. It's not laziness. So, I, I value that um, completely. So, listen, uh, let's talk about some details a little bit because I'm very interested what are some of the things, and James Gibson told me this, he said you have uh, recorded the fastest 15 meters uh, in the world for any woman, I think it was 5.8, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. From the start to the to the head, is that is that right? Okay, yeah. start, start to the head, 5.8, uh, for everybody out that's out there, go chase that, good luck. Now listen, what, what are the things that you value on the start? What are the things that are important for you to get right? Talk, talk to me about some smaller details, if you don't mind. Um, so my start, and I think especially my, my underwater, my dolphin kicks, they have always been like my strong point. As a young kid, I was, I was fast in the underwaters, but I improved the start a lot when I came to Eindhoven and, um, well, with the, 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 the InnoSport lab, they just, Kind of the only thing I had to do was do a lot of starts, like maybe a couple of hundred starts du during the years. And then I have the, the, the other people who are analyzing the start and tell me what to do to improve my start. And we found out the perfect uh, knee angle, mm -hmm. perfect um, depth to be in the water. Um, and I think the most, Maybe the most important thing to say is that we figured out that everyone has their personal best start or turn or let's say technique. So, so everybody's uh, slightly different in terms of the way they may set up or the way they might come off the block or something like that. Yeah, that's, that's really personal and individual. So I can say like you have to start with this or with that or uh, angle of... 24 degrees instead of 22 degrees but it depends on what kind of swimmer you are your body type your power um yeah so for me i figured out my best start and that's an angle of 24 degrees knee angle and i think nowadays i'm really working on um the the way i dive in the water so we call it dive in one hole um so you're, you're, aiming to, you're aiming to basically get your hands and then your head and then your hips and then your feet all through the same small hole, correct? Yeah, correct. That's what you want. But you also see that a lot of um, it's easy when you dive in one hole. Um, it's really common that you lose the, the uh, you lose a bit of core and then your feet are your going legs, down legs drop yeah and then yeah they drop and that costs a lot of time um yeah with the video analysis we have um it's in a database like i think for my for me it's about a couple of thousand starts and there is a light going 
uh, and light and line on my hip um, mm -hmm. that measures my 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 current start let's say we're talking not about starts my current start and my best start so i can when i do a start and i watch it back within a minute or whenever i can see um my start at that moment compared with my best start ever so it's and like an, an overlay like this yeah but it's with a line with uh -huh. a okay. yeah, your line not just the timeline but also the um i don't know the english word but like the the, the curve mm -hmm. uh, like how deep you dive in the water and how um, oh yeah the trajectory kind of thing yeah mm -hmm. yeah so okay. that's really really useful for let's say just a start but we have the same with with swimming uh, with the turns and i think in the netherlands we are really um ahead of doing the skills right uh, compared with other countries um so i have to say i i don't train hard but i train smart sure I, I try oh, absolutely. yeah I yeah. mean, you just said you've done thousands of starts, you analyze them within minutes. Um, and so you're, you're spending a huge amount of time on this one particular skill so that, so that when it, you get to the competition, you don't have to think about it. It happens automatically, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think we are training just to try to, um, not just try to make it look easy, but we are training to, um, so that it goes in let's say olympic final or world championships goes perfectly the way you want it to be and that's the way i train um to to do the perfect race because ultimately at the olympic games you're you're attempting to be better than you've ever been before you're you're attempting to put your best start together your best underwater your best breakout your best you know first few cycles and then you know like the whole thing is an attempt to be the best at everything you've done in in your life and 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 do it in that one moment so you want those things uh to be practiced so much and and done so well in practice that those things now just become an automatic response and you don't have to think about them in the final yeah yeah correct that's that's what i mean and uh, now, uh, of course, we are doing a lot of skills and a lot of technique, but I think in the next couple of months and the last months, I've really been working on the, the length, the stroke, stroke length, and I want to combine the, the, my perfect frequency uh, together with the perfect length. And that, of course, that makes the speed uh, velocity. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, for me, it's not hard to make uh, frequency. I can easily go up to, uh, well, uh, 60 something. So it's, for me, it's key to, to keep the length and long, long strokes, uh, and try to make it work with the perfect frequency. Is this, uh, something that you would say, not a weakness of yours, but obviously you're trying to make it stronger. So when you look at yourself now, somebody who's been at the top of the game for so long, you're, you're just looking for small little details that you can improve, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I can make my uh, stroke length, like every stroke I make um, one centimeter longer with the same frequency makes me swim faster. And it's just not like maybe from the side of the pool, you can't see the difference, but it will definitely be a big difference. And that's the, the goal to be like one, maybe two centimeters uh, longer strokes than 
uh, than I did before with the same frequency, of course. So we talked about technique then. That's going to be a key element into your improvement. Uh, in terms of sprinting for women, let's say, uh, what are the other key factors that are important? Uh, strength training? Yeah, yeah. I think it, it changes for the last 10 years and especially the last years you see uh, that sprinters do a lot more work outside the water instead of in the water. And that's the thing I, uh, I, I tried to tell my coach 15 years ago that I shouldn't do that much, that many meters. And I should focus on being strong, explosive and sharp. And I think you can do that also outside the water. Um, of course, you need to have the water feeling, but that's, I think, a sprinter thing. Just swimming 100 or 200 meter for like, let's say warm up, makes me have the water feeling. Mm -hmm. And I know, uh, or from ferry and other distance swimmers uh, with just the 200 easy swimming, they are not warmed up and I'm, I'm warmed up. Uh, yeah. I need to be really focused and I do a lot of things uh, and training outside the water. Um, of course, dry lands and strength and conditioning, but I'd say like I'm 30 years old now, so I'm not, um, I'm, I'm not every day in a gym anymore. I'm not working uh, on weights and massive um, bench presses uh, anymore. It's just about fine-tuning and the details and staying strong, staying a little bit stronger, but, well, I don't need more muscles or I don't need to gain more muscles, you know? Yeah. Has there been anything in quarantine, uh, maybe, maybe not quarantine is not, not the right phrase, but in terms of the last period of time where we haven't had as much water time, um, with, uh, with the coronavirus and, and some factors that have maybe changed our, our training a bit. Has there been anything that you've learned in this period that has been helpful for you? Oh, yeah, many lessons. Um, I think most important is the, to be uh, patient and have patience. And in the end, everything will be fine, but th things take time and uh, life is not only getting what you want whenever you want. So you have to be patient. Um, a thing that I figured out is that I can keep myself really motivated for the Olympics, even without swimming or even without access to the pool. And I was kind of surprised. It was that easy for me. Um, yeah, I thought without, and, and now I'm talking about back in March, April, the first mm -hmm. lockdown in the Netherlands when we didn't have access to a pool. Um, yeah, we were stuck at home. So I found ways to be like kind of stay in shape. And it was really easy for me to wake up every morning, do my dry lens and do a workout at home and um, uh, do some cycling and stuff, uh, some walking, but stay really focused on my Olympic dream. And I didn't expect it to be that easy or to be that focused. And another thing is that um, I, well, I didn't learn that, but I, I knew that it was okay to don't swim for a couple of weeks and still be able to uh, compete and swim decent races. And I think um, lots of professional athletes did, did ISL or did competitions already, but I know many swimmers at home, they haven't raced in, in months or 
for now maybe like almost a year but it's well as long as you keep fit and it doesn't have to be being fit in the water to be to like swimming but it's going to be fine um it will take some time being back in the water but uh swimming competitions um like if you you train many years for competitions um that won't fade away in some months yeah i mean of course in a high high world class level if it's about like one hundredth of a second yeah being out of the water for months it's um well it's not that that good but uh i think for me i was in the first lockdown i was seven weeks out of the water out of the pool um and i really had the confidence that it was going to be all right um so i didn't it didn't scare me and i hope that other swimmers they uh, who don't still don't have access to the pool i mean the pools in the netherlands are still closed i hope they will reopen again but it will take some time but eventually it's going to be all right and the feeling in the water is going to be fine again and you will swim competitions and that's going to be fine again maybe it will take some time but it's no problem you had some experience this season uh, in the isl bubble um and and live through that experience do you think the olympic movement that you think the ioc can pull off something similar you think the olympics are going to happen you mean like tokyo is going to happen this year yeah you think or, so oh that's well i hope so i really hope so i mean that's my dream for a lot, of, lot many years um but as a human being i have no idea I don't know. Well, yeah, I, I really hope so. Um, I think the latest signs in in the Netherlands, in Europe, and all over the world are not that good. Um, but I think we have to find a way. And of course, as a pro athlete, I, I really want to uh, have the Olympics going on and 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 swim and show myself at the Olympics this summer. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, oh, I, I really hope so. Do you think if it does happen, um, you know, maybe even just for you, do you do you think you'll be at your best, like in that circumstance? And and I'm sure many many athletes around the world might be thinking the same thing. It might be, it might be an unfair Olympics because not everybody's been able to um, maybe have access to certain facilities like like other athletes in, in the world. But in terms of just your own belief in terms of fairness uh, would you be ready to win the olympic gold medal in in six months if it, if it came around i have to and if i have i don't have if i don't have access to the pool i have to find other ways and it's 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 really a tough thing because i think sports pro sports it's never going to be fair like real fair um but it's been tougher than ever. I mean, some people had access throughout whole 2020 and some people didn't train for a couple of weeks and some people didn't train for months. And that's not fair, but I, I, I try not to think about those matters. Uh, I'm focusing on becoming my best and, and try to do my best races and try to stay in my own um, field of the things I can do and i can improve i think that's that's the only thing you can do to 
live a happy life, I mean, you get crazy otherwise. Yeah. Because um, if you overthink that, it's for, well, overthinking is never a good idea, but it's, if you think about those things that it's never going to be fair. Yeah. Um, so I just focusing on my own and I have to be in my best shape, but I have to say that um, back in March, April last year, when I, when we were stuck at home, it took a couple of days for me uh, until I thought like, I have to be in the best shape ever in three or four months for the mm -hmm. Olympics. Yeah. What if I don't have access to the pool and most of my competitors, most mm -hmm. of my fellow uh, pro swimmers don't have access to a pool. Is it worth it? Like, you know, is it, yeah. what is it about? And um, so back then I was kind of relieved that they postponed the Olympics. And for now it's just hoping. And yeah, the funny thing is if, I ever thought one day, one thing, one thing in my life was like for a hundred thousand percent sure that's, that would be the dates of the Olympics. Yeah. Well, if they can change that, then anything can happen. So I just let it go. I don't have influence on if it's going or not. Um, I just prepare for it. And then, uh, Great answer. I think you. I think you answered that perfectly. It's a tough question. I think it's something we've all thought of, but we don't want to spend too much time thinking about no. worrying. But you just have to take care of what you can control and and being as prepared as you can be if it comes around. And I think we've seen that in other sports. You know, that there, there have, especially in America, there's been other sports go go ahead, and you're like, well, uh, they're competing. You know, even even the NBA. I like the NBA. They had an NBA bubble and they had a, a competition and. Some athletes handled it better than others, but at the end of the day, they still handed out the trophy and, and they had a winner. So I think you have to be prepared to win uh, under any circumstances. But, um, you know, you've been, you've been at this game so long, like I said, you know, Olympic champion in 2008. How have you stayed motivated? How have you stayed um, ready and willing and, and, and just uh, able uh, for so long, uh, what's your advice to other women, you know, who may look up to you as, as a role model, somebody thinks that they may think to themselves, how has she done this for so long? It's incredible. Um, first loving what you do and, and really like swimming. And, but that doesn't mean like, it's going to be nice every day and every year. Um, and I think that's, that's also my advice for younger swimmers. It's going to be tough and it's not going to be, nice every day and of course it's gonna hurt and you're gonna have pain and um you're gonna win sometime but you're gonna lose more than you're gonna win uh, but that's the that's the game uh, but you have to love that and you have to love uh, the soreness and pain in your muscles but also being away from home a lot of uh, weeks uh, of the year and um the way i keep myself motivated is to um well, let's say there's there's that fire within and it's still burning because I still know that I haven't shown my best race yet. And that motivates me. And uh, being able to swim, I mean, um, I really like being in Eindhoven. I really like my teammates, uh, good facilities, uh, my body, my mind is still strong. So I have all the things to continue swimming um i'm physically and mentally fit and 
the fire is still burning. So that keeps me going on. And um, that's like for going uh, through the years, but within a season, I, I set small goals because of course I'm training for Olympic games and that's every four years or well, every five years now. Uh, but I try to set small goals every year, every month, every week, maybe just to motiv motivate myself. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, that's very important to have a big dream and a big goal on the horizon, but also make small goals. And whether it's like inside the pool or something like mentally or maybe um, something completely different um, than swimming. Um, just becoming a better person also makes me a better swimmer. And well, that's, that's what, what keeps me motivating. You, uh, Anthony Irvin won gold in 2000 and then 16 years later won gold in, in 2016 in the 50. So is this something you feel like you could achieve? Maybe, maybe even winning a gold medal at, at 35, 36 years old for a woman? Well, never say never, but I'm not sure if I will be competing for in Paris. Like, what about Paris? I don't know. At this moment, I wouldn't say no, but who knows? I think back in 2005, I expect to retire at age 20, 22, and I'm 30 now. So I didn't 10 years ago and, and 15 years ago, I, I, I never expected for me to be still. Um, uh, still being a competitive or being a pro swimmer, uh, I still swimming. I'm still swimming PBs. Um, so never say never. But I also know that there's another life, and being a swimmer uh, is just part of who I am. It's not the one thing that defines me. And I think that's important to know that uh, the the sports career is going to end, and where it's going to end this year or next year or in 10 years that doesn't matter that much but it's going to end sometime and then i have a whole um other life ahead of me yeah i agree what what are uh, some some other things in your in your life that you enjoy doing other than swimming i really um well now with the quarantine and the last year it's been a little bit um been a small small circle of people and uh, being stuck at home for lots of time so I, I i read a lot i read a lot of books mm. um yeah but i, I i'm really into a personal growth and um yeah just like i said being a swimmer is just part of who i am and i think it took a while for me to understand that thing. Um, I've always swum and I was always talented. And then you are kind of, or people tell you, you are the swimmer and Renomi is a swimmer. You are a good swimmer, but it's just part of who I am. And I think it's so important to know um, who you are and what you want to be, uh, what makes you happy, what doesn't make you happy. And uh, some really valuable lessons you don't learn at school or at least in the Netherlands, we don't learn it, but I think in no place in the world, we learn some really important lessons of life. Um, and that really um, triggers me to 
to sell other people and help other people with. I love it. Beautiful. Now, listen, you and I actually do have uh, one shared experience. Okay. I coached a girl by the name of Ariana Vanderpool Wallace. She's from the Bahamas. Ah. She actually qualified uh, eighth for the 50 freestyle final in London. So um, I was there as her coach. It was just, uh, there was three, three people. It was her, myself, and then the massage therapist. That was our whole swim team for the Bahamas. I didn't that. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so she qualified for the final. And so I walked her to the ready room. I came, I actually came into the ready room for the 50 freestyle final. And we were actually, I believe the last people to come into the room. And so by the time we got there, you were already in the room. And, uh, I believe, uh, Jocko was coaching you then. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I think Jocko was in the ready room with you and, and uh, our experience was Ariana, when she walked in, she told me this later, she told me that she felt like she didn't belong. Like uh, all of a sudden she saw all these superstar women. She saw all these incredible athletes. And it was almost like she felt like, wow, I, I can't believe I'm here. I don't know if I belong. Like she had a lot of mixed emotions. Um, tell me what you were thinking at that point in time. I, I saw you from across the room and to me, it looked like you were relaxed, smiling, very engaged. It, it, it seemed like you really did enjoy the pressure. Uh, but well, what were you thinking in that moment? To be honest, I really don't know. I just know um, that I was, I just had one job to do back in London. And it, I just, um, just reminds me that I just uh, wanted to swim at my best. And first we had the 100 free. And after I finished, uh, the first thing is, oh, it was not a good race. So when I looked at the scoreboard, I saw, saw number one and I saw that I won that race. But the first thing, because I was so um, taught to swim, to focus on the, on, the, on the race, not on the result. So I so saw in my head, um, back with the, the start that wasn't good and the finish that could have go a little bit better. Um, I actually saw that. I watched your race uh, right before we got on this interview. I watched your 100 freestyle and your 50 freestyle, and there was two different reactions. I could actually see your thinking at the end of the 100. Like It was almost like uh, you, know, you weren't thrilled with, with the result like you would normally think someone who just won the, the Olympics. It was like there was a little bit of disappointment. It's so stupid because, I mean, when I look that that when I see myself uh, finishing and and just smiling but being really, well, I don't know, not disappointed but really calm. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I calm. would tell that girl like, to, oh, please be happy and scream and shout and celebrate. Mm -hmm. But I was so uh, programmed to do two or three good jobs so the 50 was coming two days later and i i just thought ah check 100 check it's been good now we're going to the 50 so what I, do i have to do next it's just um prize ceremony uh, cool down going back to the village uh, rest relax recover and go for the 50 and so after the 50 after i finished the 50 um there was Finally, there was the relief mm. and the, the, the celebration phase. So I think if you just saw me after the 100, 
that is not the type of person who I am in real life. Mm. I mean, I can be calm, but I really like to celebrate. And I have to say that I, I really celebrated the gold medals. And um, what was really special about the 53 is that I, I didn't just won, but uh, my teammate Marlene Feldhuis, she she took the bronze medal. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of a, a double celebration to celebrate the victory with her on the podium. Yeah. That made me maybe even more happier. Um, yeah, but then the first thing after I touched the wall was like, okay, it was a really bad finish. And my start wasn't good as well. I didn't swam my best races. And maybe that made, that made, um, maybe it's the thing that I'm still competing right now because I didn't show my best race. Um, especially okay. at Olympic. It's like, you're, it's like you're never truly satisfied. You haven't produced, you haven't gotten out of yourself that one race where you feel like that's, that's the one, that's everything I've got. That was perfection. You're still chasing that perfection. Yeah. And of course, I mean, every professional athlete always strives to become better and be faster, but I didn't swim a good race in the Olympic final uh, of 2012. In 2016, it was a lot better, but that wasn't was not good enough for a medal. So that made me think a lot. Like then, then when are you satisfied? If you're, are you satisfied with just gold or with a good race or with gold combined with the best race or with a world record? And that's a really tough question, I think. Yeah, something you're obviously still searching for, I guess. So, uh, tell me just briefly. I'm not sure, but uh, what about 16? What what happened in 16? Was there an injury in the lead up to that, or was I mean, tell uh, me from yeah. your perspective? Yeah, I had a back injury, lower back. Um, yeah, the disc. Mm. So I was able to do like jumps and. Well, I was able to start, of course, but I was really careful uh, uh, in the weeks before uh, before Rio. And then I think all the things, like the pieces of the puzzle, they didn't just felt right. Sure. And it's not just back injuries. I think a lot of things could have gone better. Um, but then again, I swam the best race of the season. And that made me... Well, not satisfied for not for not being on the podium, but I did a better job um, seen as a as the race than I did in in 2012, four years earlier. So it was really tough for me, um, kind of. In in Rio, I I it felt like I had to explain why I didn't just get ho got home with. Uh, again, two gold medals or three gold medals. Mm, yeah. Um, and I think it's just a thing, or it's not just a thing, but it's that is sport. It's not just just grabbing some gold medals and just doing your job. And I mean, we're talking about swimming. It's not just a game. Um, the field of competitors is amazing. It's really strong. And uh, in 2016, we've we've seen that. I mean, if you make the final, everything is possible. And it's it's not always the, the favorite or uh, the favorite who's going to win. And and that happened with some races in, in 2016. Like in the 50 and 100 free, I, 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 I swam the finals and I did an okay job. 
and I was really prepared for it, but yeah, I didn't uh, got on the podium. So it was strange. It was strange for me. Yeah. How do you view yourself? I know this is a very personal question and, and I hope you're okay with sharing, but uh, you know, when I was sprinting at the Olympics and I, and I walked into a room, I thought to myself, wow, any, anybody could win this. When I talked to Gary Hall Jr., he said when he walked into a room, he said, there's only two or three guys here that can really win. You know, um, do you feel the same way? Uh, do you feel that about yourself? Like, I'm, do you view yourself as the best swimmer or the best sprinter in the world? Or do you view yourself as one of the best? Or like, what's your personal view of yourself? Oh, do I see myself as the best swimmer? Well, um, before I stand up on the block, I tell myself because I really uh, have to believe that at this moment, I wouldn't say I'm the best swimmer of the world now. Um, but um, going into the final or going into the call room, I think before 2016, I would have said the same like Gary Hall, like you can pick one or two or maybe three girls who are going for the podium or going for the win. Mm -hmm. After 2016, I, I think like if you if you have lane, you have a chance. And of course, that's always a thing. Um, but anything can happen. And yeah, you, you might swim a world record a week before and not going in the podium. Or you might um, swim your first international uh, final and, and, and win the race. Um, I think what, what uh, changed in the last 10, 15 years in the, the freestyle sprint, in the female freestyle sprint, is that there's not just one or two favorites. Um, the field is getting uh, bigger, like the top level, and it's not just uh, one or two who's standing above the rest. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I think it's at least eight girls who are going for the win, or yeah. who might go for the win. Yeah. That's a fair answer. I appreciate you sharing that. So uh, one of the last questions, have you ever swum a 50 yards freestyle properly? No, no, I really, no, that's, huh? that's one thing on my to-do list. Yeah. I yeah. really would swim yards. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see you drop a, a good I, yards, uh, 50, 100. Let's, let's, let's get that organized sometime. Okay. I, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> we're able to travel again, and then I, I really love to swim yards. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, listen, uh, I appreciate the conversation. It's been awesome. Thanks for taking your time out of your Sunday again, and uh, I wish you all the best for the next few months, okay? Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Renomi. Take care, okay? Yeah, yeah, I will. Thanks. All right, bye-bye.